along the way, I learned what I really wanted to do with linseed, which is number one, make fantastic tasting linseed because it can taste fantastic and to make good foods with it. And number two, to make sure that when people do use it, that they use it in the way that helps them best. Bad linseed oil, flaxseed oil, usually tastes very bitter as well. So there's several things that can actually go wrong with, with flaxseed linseed oil. And it isn't just down to it being open to temperature, it's to do with the quality of the seed before you actually pressed it and the temperature you pressed it with and the way you processed it. Hello, and welcome to the Natural Healthcare Network podcast. My name is Deb McLeod, and I really appreciate your sitting in and listening in. Today, I am delighted to say that I have Claire Skelton joining me. She is Managing Director at Flax Farm Linseed Whole Foods. So I hope you sit back and enjoy listening to all the information that Claire has to share with us about the mighty flaxseed, or linseed, as you will soon hear. So, Claire... Thank you so much for joining me on my podcast today. I am really excited for us to be talking about your beautiful black seeds that you sell. You produce a beautiful oil, a cold pressed oil, but we're here to talk a little bit about you, your history, what, what got you so excited and interested in starting this business. And then we'll talk about your business and what you're doing and see how we how the conversation evolves over the time. Is that okay with you? That is great. And thank you very much for giving me an opportunity to talk about linseed, one of my favorite subjects. Yes. Um, yes. And having people that are going to be interested in finding out more. So thanks very much. You are most welcome. Well, there is no doubt there is ample research to show the multitude of benefits of the mighty flax seed or linseed. And, you know, I actually, it's really good for me to do these talks because I realized just from doing a bit of research that I actually flax seeds and linseeds are two different things. They're two different plants, which I was fascinated just to see. Only, sort of only just. Yeah. And it's, it's actually quite confusing. And we need to get this one straight for the start. <laughs> the original plant is called Linamutus assisium. And that's the Latin name for it. A plant originated in sort of the Middle East, which had blue flowers, spindly stems, and oily seeds. Over time, it's been grown separately so that you've got some which have longer stems and some which have more seeds to the acre and heavier seeds with more oil in. And as time moved forward, some people were interested in oil and some people were interested in the stems. The stems go to make linen. Note the, right. note the prefix lin, n, lin, lin, seed, linum, utus assisium. So that little prefix is the clue. And the lin seeds were the seeds that they harvested for the sake of the, for the, for the oil. And they used the oil to make, you know, lighting, heating, varnish, paint, forerunner of plastics and things like that. The stems were lin, linen and they diverged. However, when they, and that come, all goes back to the Middle East and it goes back to the ancient Greek, the lin lan prefix. 
the Northern Germanic term for the fibers that were actually woven into linen were called flax. Arbors grown to produce flax or linen was actually called the flax crop. Um, but when you harvest the seeds off, it's still called it linseed. However, it wasn't prop it wasn't harvested the same way as you harvest the linseed that you're going to eat. The linseed you're going to eat, you grow onto full ripeness. You always make sure that you've taken care that it hasn't got mildew or anything else like that. But when you're making flax, linen, flax fibers, you don't actually care what state the seeds really are in. They're just going to go to cattle feed, and nobody really gives a damn. And as time went on, in the UK, we were quite happy with that. And in Europe, we were quite happy with that. It was flax for the fibres, linen, linseed. Yep, we were all fine with that. And then somewhere in America, uh -oh. they changed it. And the Americans started calling flax the linseed that you were going to grow for human consumption or market for human consumption, as opposed to the linseed that you were going to harvest for its oil and turn into paint and varnish and the difference really is a bit like you know you've got border terriers which are little short squatty dogs but you and chase rats but you can get another sort of dog that's got a lot much longer leg legs and is a greyhound and is much faster and then you can get midway ones that are sort of like quite good for linseed and quite good for flax but linen but not really good for, brilliant for either does that help Absolutely. So, it's yes, they're sort of one and the same, but they're produced differently. And there's two different languages, American and English are not the same language. <laughs> no, I know we are. We are divided by a common language, aren't we? Really? That's so true. It's so true. I, mean, I love how, it, how with the complexities of, of such a little seed, you know, something that is actually so beautiful and packs such a punch from a nutrient standpoint has already got a complicated past, but we have made it complicated as usual. But what I would like to do is if we step, we've already stepped back, but if I'd like to hear more about what made you or what got you so excited or interested in starting a business such as Flax Farm, I can see why from a a standpoint of the nutrients that are available, but I'd like to hear more about what got you excited and interested in doing this. My personal history of it was almost a, a, a sort of history of accidents coming together. Um, I was going through a very low, low point in my life mm -hmm. and I had rosacea and a bad back and stress and anxiety and, you know, all sorts of rubbish health issues. However, to take my mind off the rubbish that was happening to me in my life, I was going to go and see a friend of mine who had multiple sclerosis. And he was feeling very miserable because of that, because it was, it was going downhill fast. It was primary progressive multiple sclerosis, which just meant that he was just getting worse and worse and worse yeah. and worse. And he'd been getting worse for 15, 20 years and had had a diagnosis for quite a long time. And there was nothing really that medicine was doing for him at all. And so I was spending more time with him and he was an engineer. And one of the things he was doing was setting up a plant for somebody to make linseed oil. And he gave me a bottle of linseed oil. And I said, I don't want that. I don't take supplements. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't have much money at the time. And so anything was worth consuming because it was like it's food my god i can eat it yeah and i started having a teaspoon of linseed oil 
in my breakfast smoothie. And on the fourth morning, I got up and I felt the sides of my nose and they, they weren't dry anymore. My face wasn't dry. Yeah. And it was a case of, oh, my God, could this be the linseed oil doing this? And he said, well, I guess so. Yeah, it could be. So I upped it to two teaspoons just because it had stopped my skin feeling dry. That was all I was doing. And I was so excited about not having dry, flaky skin that I carried on taking it. Somewhere along the line, the rosacea cleared up. Um, but I wasn't even really aware of that until eventually I looked in a mirror and went, oh, my God, it really isn't there. But at the same time, I very much started getting my mojo back again. And again, I put this one back down to the linseed oil because it really does have a very profound effect on anxiety and stress and well-being. And there are very good scientific reasons why this works. Um, anyway, from being so stressed I couldn't think straight, I suddenly had all my enthusiasm. And the thing I had enthusiasm about was this linseed that was in front of me. Because yeah. it was the only yeah. thing that was really there. And I just started getting enthusiastic. So I started trying the seeds and the ground seeds and things like that. Not knowing much about it. And I started going on a diet to lose a little bit of weight. So I had about three, three and a half stone to lose. And I did a vaguely low carb diet, of which linseed is actually brilliant. And I learned a lot about why linseed actually helps when you're trying to lose weight. Mm -hmm. So you've got all the good things like you've got omega-3, which boosts the metabolism. It makes your leptin, ghrelin and insulin work far more efficiently the way it should do. So instead of, you know, too much of the wrong one at the wrong time, which tends to make you go apple shaped and fat and then go down the downward spiral of putting on more weight and all your hormones actually working against you with weight, the linseed actually makes it more responsive, work the way it should. So when you've got too many calories, your body's far more prepared to go, oh, got too many calories, we'll burn them off. And that's good news. Um, the ground linseed's full of fiber. It slows down the rate at which you, eat, uh, which you absorb your sugars. And that means that you don't get this hunger after you've eaten carby things that makes you want to stuff again to, you know, get onto that cycle so linseed oil ground linseed and low carb diet yes i lost lots of weight and the linseed was here in front of me and i was getting all excited about it and my friend who i'd actually worked on a diet with for his multiple sclerosis all of a sudden could get some use back in one of his feet wow and from his left not working at all all of a sudden he said claire look what i can do with my foot and he went from really struggling to walk 30 yards and a leg that was as useless as an uncooked chipolata to actually being able to pick up 20, 30 kilos, load up a market stall wow. and we could, we could go out and we could go and walk the dogs. Wow. And that is wow. Um, and the, I know I'm going off piece here on, on, on the talk, but the diet that we produced was very anti-inflammatory it was no wheat, it was no animal protein other than fish. It was oats, ground linseed, linseed oil, low sugars, fairly low carb, and lots of fresh vegetables. And lots of linseed oil all stomped into the whole thing. 
Interestingly, at the same time that we were working on that, there was a guy out in Australia called George Jelinek, who created the Overcoming Multiple Sclerosis Recovery Plan. And his diet was so similar to what Chris and I had come up with, the only difference, I think, being that Jelinek actually doesn't recommend giving up wheat, but an awful lot of people on the following his programme do give up wheat. And honestly, you'd think that we'd actually written it in the same room comparing notes. Wow. And there were loads of people following this OMS diet. And you see people improving, getting better, not getting worse. And also seeing that the linseed oil actually works better than the fish oils. Because to begin with, everybody used to think, hey, fish oil is the answer to everything. And fish oil is superior. And I think Joe and Nick thought that to begin with. But when they did a study after the OMS programme had been running for several years, they discovered that the people who were on linseed oil were significantly better than the people on fish oil who hadn't really improved. So they then said to everybody, forget the fish oils, go straight on to linseed oil. Interesting. Interesting. Because I know you know that there yeah. are discussions about the difference between the omega-3s and uh, from fish oil and from linseeds and the conversion, the ability to convert. But I can see exactly from a, a standpoint of one is just exciting that it's made such a profound difference in these people's lives. Um, I don't want to knock fish or fish oils particularly. However, there is something rather wonderful about linseed oil, and it does seem to work better than the sum of its parts. There is more going on in linseed oil than just omega-3. Yes, of course. And I think what, what, what and there's also what works well in a laboratory for your laboratory tests, which <laughs> are surrounded the way that the it works in a laboratory, but there's real life. And it's what you see in real life over and over again that makes you realise that that's really probably more important yeah and it's yep. more about it and also linseed oil is about real food not about just taking a pill so we're always very much promoting people having linseed oil as part of their diet let's replace some of that other fat on oil in your diet put some linseed oil in instead because then you've actually you're addressing the omega-6 omega-3 balance in a double bubble of goodness you're bringing down your six you're bringing up your three and you're getting a much more anti-inflammatory balance in your diet. Mm -hmm. And also you're enjoying your food, you're tasting your food. And if you're having it as a food, you want to have good food and you want to be able to taste something that tastes nice. And that is a far more holistic way of treating your life, your food, your diet, as getting you right. And also you're not going to eat rubbish linseed oil on your food if it takes rubbish, you shouldn't be eating rubbish linseed or flaxseed oil. It should taste nice. It should give you pleasure. But also your, you know, your own, your own systems will keep you focused on the good quality stuff, which on a tablet, on a capsule, capsule, it, you know, it's it, we're not designed to eat capsules. We're designed to eat food. There's no doubt about the the benefits of whole foods and and the complexities of foods themselves of whole food plant based eating and all the nutrients and the compounds that are in there. So you you created you came up with this eating plan that was in sync with the 
George Jelinek in Australia. Jelinek in Australia. And we didn't, we didn't even find out that, that out until about three or four years later. That's fantastic. Just coincidence. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that really, that Chris was getting better, I was getting better, and we, we got more and more enthusiastic about this amazing plant that made your digestion work. Oh, and it balanced my hormones along the way. That was the other thing that just yes. flabbergasted me. But there I was eating large amounts. I was eating large amounts of ground linseed to help me lose weight because of it being low carb and it was great. And having gone from having the world's worst PMT ever, all of a sudden my PMT just vanished overnight and every day of the month was the same as other days of the month. So that ghastly feeling of the cycle where it got worse and worse and worse through the month just disappeared and I was on an even keel all through my month. And I then went exactly in that way into the menopause. And all of a sudden, I didn't have periods anymore. And that was what the menopause was. It was like, what was that all about? And again, linseed is known to have lignans in it, which have a mild phytoestrogens that mimic the effects of the estrogen in the body. But they actually are a benign version, which is why people who've got cancer can eat it beneficially because it sort of buffers your own hormones and stops them getting too high in the tissue. But also the linseed oil seems to make the body work better because you've got more omega-3 going on. So the sort of lumpiness of your processes is evened out and your body switches on hormones when it needs it, switches things off. You get less hot flushes or whatever that people get. I I didn't get hot flushes. I didn't get anything. I I can only say that menopause was one of the best things that's ever happened to a girl. Holy smokes, you are one in a million. I tell you what, that we know that there are plenty of women out there that struggle, and I was one of them. I have to say, Clary, I absolutely had a terrible time when I went through the menopause. It was absolutely awful, and. It's so exciting that you had such a successful journey into menopause because so many people don't. Those all helped enormously. I think other things help. I think weight helps, keeping your weight correct. Um, if I ever felt yucky, it was from eating, I have to say, it was from eating too much meat or too much carbs. And if I ever sort of felt a bit yucky, but then I think I've always felt a bit yucky eating those sort of things. And I think probably as I discovered my, my linseed journey, one of the other things that I learned was when you're eating linseed and you're eating a cleaner way of eating, you can feel a lot better than you did before you're eating the linseed. So having a healthy digestion, balancing my hormones up a bit, balancing my blood sugars up a bit, my back didn't hurt, by the way. I used to have a bad back all my life. No, no bad back. Yes, I gave up wheat along the way. That all helps. But I've got a much cleaner way of eating. And then if you do have something that makes you feel a little bit, oh, I don't feel as good today as I did yesterday, you're more aware that there was something that is actually not probably not very good for you. But when you're accepting the fact that you feel sluggish and hormonal and temperamental and yucky and, and needing to go on an ice cream binge or whatever, then that, if that's normal life to you and you don't get to experience the, God, I feel fantastic, 
then you've got nothing to try to move to. But when most of the time you feel fantastic, you don't want to jeopardise that. You want to keep it. Absolutely, absolutely. That's something. Lindsay has brought me the ability to feel better and therefore be more respectful about how I treat my body. Lovely. I mean, that's beautiful, isn't it? And so is that what is that what prompted you to start your business? Um, we started the business more or less by accident. We just <laughs> sort of thought, here's this amazing thing. Let's get it out there. You know, it just needs to get out there. Um, and along the way, it was Chris and I, the guy with multiple sclerosis, who started the business. And it was just trying to get it out there and trying to let tell people how it worked and how wonderful it was. Because we just believed in it completely and absolutely. We weren't trying to make money or make a fortune or anything like that. It was just that, you know, we didn't have anything else to do. And here's this amazing Lindsay, and we wanted to connect people with it. Along the way... I learned what I really wanted to do with linseed, which is number one, make fantastic tasting linseed because it can taste fantastic and to make good foods with it. And number two, to make sure that when people do use it, that they use it in the way that helps them best. And it's very hard because trading standards will try and stop me doing it because I'm actually a manufacturer of linseed and I'm not a practitioner. So I have to be quite careful what I put on my website. Yeah. So we can only use guiding words, but I do when I go out to markets and I go to events or talk to people on the phone. Um, it's to guide people to use the linseed that's really going to help them. And a lot of people, it's quite complex because if somebody says to you, oh, you're going through the menopause or you've got arthritis or something, or you need some linseed, the person doesn't know whether they need linseed oil capsules they don't even know it's all in a capsule. They just know they're linseed capsules, linseed oil in a bottle, ground linseed, whole linseed. Or should they, how much should they have? Should they have a little sprinkle of it? Mm-hmm. Or should they have a big helping of it? How should they have it? And it's trying to make it work so that it actually is effective. Because when you do use it properly, generally it's very, very effective. And very often people don't know the right amount to use for that particular person. So it was making good linseed, linseed that tasted good, and making sure that people used it the right way to get the health effects that they want that they want and need. And that was really what promoted the business and took the business forward. Somewhere along the line, we made the flax jacks, which might in some ways not be the healthiest way to do it. But we were going out and going, we go to a market, you've got this powder People can't eat a powder and you can't give them a taster of cold porridge because that's not going to sell the product. No. Um, so we started making the flax jacks, which were basically a flapjack with just a bit less butter and sugar in and loads of ground linseed in. So you could get the taste of the flax jacks. And oh, my goodness, they were yummy. And we started selling out of those at various markets. And we went, I, I went off to my first market saying, you know, if you think I'm going to start a baking business, you've got another thing coming. <laughs> Um, because I was only doing it for people to sample, and now the flax jacks are one of the best parts of the business. And should I feel guilty that it encourages people to eat sugar? Um, sometimes I do, but I know that the people who are going to eat a flax jack were going to eat a cake anyway. Right. But at least yeah. when they eat the cake from me, they've got a whole load of ground linseed in them, 
which gives you far slower release of that sugar. And that actually, when your body is working and you're moderately fit and healthy, you actually can notice the difference between having a high fiber flax jack and an ordinary fat jack. Because you've, when your body becomes sensitive to these things, if you eat junk, you notice you've eaten junk, but when you've eaten this thing that doesn't cause the sugar, blood sugars to go up so high and then drop off afterwards, you really notice it. So yes, the ground linseed, the way of slowing down the absorption of sugars is very realistic. And then your sugar isn't as much of the demon as it was because your body can actually cope with it better because it's being slow release and you can use it for energy as part of your daily activities. So it makes it a far less naughty food. However, along the way, we've actually developed it being vegan ones, and then we've gone into low sugar ones, and then we've got no added sugar. So we have actually got quite a good range now yeah. of no added sugar wax jacks. And we've got you know some that are made with molasses, some of that are made with just fruit and linseed and vegetables and things like that. And they're very tasty. And we've got lots of people telling us, oh, I just love your ginger parking one. And they don't know that it's got no saturated fat, no egg, no added sugar. It's lovely. I, th I think a lot of times, you know, there are the helping people transition from, as you say, if you go out and just buy a cake. One of the things that I know as a practitioner myself and working with clients they're used to, their taste buds are completely different. So there is that educating them yes. and trying something that is not as sweet and they find out that it tastes better and then they move onwards to, to something that doesn't have any processed sugar in it and it has natural sugars in it like your your flapjacks, uh, flax jacks do. That they taste even better, actually, in my opinion. But again, that is... Absolutely. That is... Well, they taste They've got good food. Of course. And they yeah. so that's that education process. And it is exciting that people can find out that actually there are healthy foods out there that do taste really good. And I was going to say, and if a golden vanilla flax jack and a few packets of that was what started people on a, a, a journey to a healthier diet, then I actually feel I've done something pretty good in getting them to eat these cakes in the first place. Because very often... They will start with the flax jacks either at a market, and I've seen people who. I mean, one of the one of the people that came to one of my markets, um, they had the woman had terrible rosacea, even worse than mine had been, and I was just itching to say, "Hey, you've got rosacea. I know how to sort it out," but you can't quite say that. And <laughs> they came back a few times and bought the flax jacks, which they really liked. And because they liked the flax jacks, then they were a little bit more open-minded to talking to us about the oil and the ground linseed. And before long, they'd bought, gone away with oil and ground linseed. And the next month, she came back and he looked at her and went, my God, what lovely skin. Lovely. So it's gotten... And then they're telling me how wonderful it makes them feel and how their <laughs> joints are better. And they've been eating... Well, so for a lot of people, starting off with the flax jacks is a is a healthier, you know, it's 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 a, it's the first step on the ladder to healthier eating anyway. Absolutely, um, and it's great. For it's great for kids because they run off the sugars anyway. Usually, 
it doesn't give them a major sugar rush. And a lot of people have problems with kids that can't go to the loo. And, you know, little kids getting constipated isn't really much fun. Yeah. But if you can get them to eat a flax check, the problem's gone away. And I've done that an awful lot with people's people's children. And it's a great way of getting them, you know, get their digestion working in a nice way. It's wonderful. So can I can I ask you a little bit about your farm? Now, you don't grow all the linseeds or yourself, do you? We don't do all the growing anymore. We started off doing the growing in a part three-way partnership. And linseed is a difficult crop. And as I developed the business and we got busier and we needed more seed and we knew that we had a very good product, I needed to have continuity of product and continuity of quality. And because it's one of the last crops that is ever harvested in the year, it hits the problems of the weather. If you get too much rain on the crop before you harvest it, it absolutely wrecks the quality of that seed. And you end up with very skanky, bitter, nasty, you know, the whole thing can go wrong. And so we team up with people up country now, and generally it's grown for us in East Anglia. And the other benefit of that for me is that down here, we're either close to the downs, potentially would grow it with farmers on the downs or we grow it on clay, both of which are very abrasive towards the presses and the machinery. But where we get it from East Anglia, it's a much loamier soil. And when it's loamier, it doesn't wear the machinery out so quickly. Wow. And we get the quality that we want and the consistency of the quality. And then we get good good product. That's fantastic. Um, so we primarily... We primarily use English grown because English quality is very good and English farming tends to be very good. Um, the only other thing is that we get some of our organic will come from Kazakhstan and it grows in Kazakhstan very happily because that's close to where it, the plant originated from. So obviously it is more adapted to beat the weeds and grow out there and cope with the environment, whereas England is a little bit too wet, a bit too lush and a bit too green for it. Hmm. And it's having to fight against weeds and then having all the weeds when you're harvesting it actually spoils your crop almost before you've got it back to the farm. So that's the thinking about that. Gotcha. I'd love to be able to grow it all, but you can't, you can't both grow well, I don't think, and press it yourself. You know, if you're going to be doing, so we, I've decided to, major on producing very good quality linseed, getting it out to people, making good flax jacks, making freshly milled linseed if that's what people want, and that's what goes out. And we're really aiming at the quality of the product. I think that's, I mean, it's really good because you know what your focal point is. You let other people do what they do best, and this is what you can do to really enhance the quality of yes. the product as well. With linseed, the other thing about it for not growing it, unless you have a very big farm, although I've got enough land to do it on, and potentially can borrow a little bit more land, I would never have enough to be able to do the crop rotation that you have to do. Because what linseed wants is not being sprayed year in and year out. If you try and grow linseed too often on the same plot, which is you get one year on it, maybe two years on it if you're lucky, but then you have to leave it without linseed on it for several years, 
and it's the natural way of producing a good quality crop. It's what people always have done, is do crop rotation. And I have not got anywhere near the, enough land available to me to do the crop rotation that you'd need to do. But on the other hand, if you can have it grown that farm one year and another farm another year, that works brilliantly. Makes perfect sense. And you're supporting variety of farmers as well. And it's all sort of, it's one of those nice win-wins. Can we talk a little bit about the processing of it? Because, you know, I, I know you know these things, but there's a lot of discussion about the processing of the oils and and the flax itself or the, the linseeds themselves. And you talk about this on your website. And by the way, your website, the information that you have on your website and resources available, fantastic recipes, lots of stuff. So we'll be sure and drive people to your website because of the, the amount of information. Plus, they can buy your beautiful flax jacks as well. But if we could talk a little bit about the processing of the oil, one of the things that is discussed often is how you store it and a lot of times people say that you shouldn't, you should grind your seeds and eat them immediately. They shouldn't sit for a while. They, they get rancid. What's your thinking on, on all of that? Ooh, difficult one. Um, <laughs> right. Let's start with the oil and storing the oil. Um, a lot of people get upset about the oil and they say, oh, it's got to be refrigerated and things like that. And I will agree that the fridge or even the freezer is the best place to keep something that is oily, oil-based compounds that can deteriorate with oxygen, i.e. oxidation can actually spoil the product. It's the same with coffee. Everybody says you ought to keep your ground coffee in, in the fridge. Well, I don't. I have it by my kettle. And it's the same with the linseed oil. I think the other thing about the linseed oil is, yes, we know it's going to oxidise ever so slightly faster out of the freeze, freeze or, the, or the fridge. The reality is, though, that temperature goes down to minus 273. And we're only talking about a very small zone of temperature between the temperature of your kitchen cupboard, which is about 20, and your fridge which is about four degrees or five degrees or whatever it is and that's not really very much even the minus 18 minus 20 that your freezer might be still isn't mega in the grand scheme of temperature which is huge i'm sure that keeping it colder slows down the rate of oxygenation because that's a chemical fact of nature but it doesn't really make a lot of difference because we always put a short shelf life on our products anyway, not because they have a particularly short shelf life, but we want people to enjoy it at its best. Linseed oil has been a wonderful product for hundreds of years, and it used to be pressed fresh. Sometimes even at markets, people would press it at a market or in a shop. They would press it for, and you'd take it home, and you'd have it for a few weeks, and then you'd come back and get some more. And it wasn't refrigerated. It doesn't go off like milk does. Milk goes off, or fish, because it gets bugs in it. And the bugs and the microbes grow and exponentially, and the warmer it gets, your milk goes off even faster. And if you had a warm day and you brought your milk home on a warm day, that could be enough to tip it over to the point where the microbes have multiplied and made it go sour by the next morning. And that, that doesn't happen with linseed oil. It simply is just going to be the end of the three months 
a little bit less fresh, but you probably won't even notice that difference as to whether you kept it in the fridge or whether you had it in the cupboard. So, and we actually looked at studies on it and really see very little difference or no difference. We've seen studies where people have tested linseed oil at 150 degrees centigrade. It doesn't go off after an hour. It doesn't change its structure at all noticeably. It does hideous chemistry after 170 degrees. We tell people not to fry with it, but that's a different matter. But for storage and use of it, it really doesn't do anything too bad if you can't get it in the fridge or the freezer. But we'll always support the view that it probably is the best place technically to keep it. I'm very <laughs> happy with that. Um, but there's just no need to go around the refrigeration. And very often the ones that you buy at health food shops that are in the fridge, they're still very bitter. And that very much is a case of they've refrigerated. It's like you know shutting the, the door after the horse has bolted. It's gone bitter. There was nothing they could do about it. They didn't start with the best quality seeds. Cooling it down doesn't really make a lot of difference to it. But it, it's, it's only a slightly different oil. You've got a, t a, a series of oils. You've got saturated fat, which is very stable. You've got omega-9, which is olive oil, which is quite stable. You've got sunflower oil that's relatively stable, and then well, but less stable. And then you've got the linseed oil at the end of that, which is a bit more reactive than the sunflower oil is. There's also a difference between oils being rancid, which is actually a horrible, muddy, sort of stale biscuit type taste. That's what rancid tastes like. Bad linseed oil, flaxseed oil, usually tastes very bitter as well. So there's several things that can actually go wrong with, with flaxseed linseed oil. And it isn't just down to it being open to temperature. It's to do with the quality of the seed before you actually pressed it and the temperature you pressed it with and the way you processed it. Right. So, again, it's always down to where the actual seeds come from. Like. And the care. And, and So, I'm guessing that's going to be the same thing for ground flax seeds as well. So, when you, you buy ground flax seeds, because you sell whole flax seeds, you sell ground flax seeds, and you sell the, that beautiful yep. cold-pressed oil, don't you? So, I'm guessing the ground flax seeds are the same? Probably, yes. The ground linseed, number one, it's much better to have ground linseed that's come in a packet that we've produced and we tell you to eat it within three months. It's much better to have that than to buy a packet of whole linseeds going, it's much healthier to grind your own, going home with it and putting it in the cupboard and not using it. And that for most people is the alternative. Mm -hmm. Most people don't have the time to grind their linseeds or the inclination, and that's fine. The other thing is that from what I can actually find, there isn't really any significant evidence in studies as to it significantly going off very quickly, having been ground. The way you ground it and the way you process it does actually have an effect. One is that if you grind it, one of the ways that you can grind it is actually to put it through rollers which is basically like crushed linseed, cracked linseed, where you get a linseed that looks like 
are nearly whole in seed, but it's just a bit flatter and you can sort of see all the insides coming out, if that makes sense. Yep. And yep. when you do that, although it looks more like a whole in seed, a lot of people think, oh, God, it's got to be better if it's more whole and all the rest of it. Well, no, it isn't because mm -hmm. my ancestors used to grind their linseeds. So, but what actually happens is when you put it through rollers, it squishes the oil out from the inside meat of the linseed where it's in contact with its own antioxidants and lignans, and it squishes it out onto that hard, shiny surface on the outside into a very thin film. And obviously that very thin film has no antioxidants in, in contact with it, and it's totally in contact with the oxygen. Interesting. That then goes rancid. Right. And those seeds go rancid. And... Most people actually do know what rancid tastes like. You, most people know what a bottle of plastic bottle of cooking oil is like. Most people have come across it. They've had one in their cupboard or their auntie's cupboard. And eventually the oil dribbles down the side of the bottle and it goes a bit sticky. Yeah. And that sticky oil, if you smell it, you get it on your hand. It's this pervasive sort of muddy, cardboardy, horrid taste. That is what rancid yeah. is like. That's what happens if you grind linseed the wrong way that doesn't actually keep it in contact with its own antioxidants. When you keep it in contact with its own antioxidants, it seems to do very nicely, thank you very much, certainly for three months, four months, which is what we put on our shelf life. And interestingly, that I think that the you've got to grind your linseed immediately within 10 minutes of eat, before you eat it, or it goes off. I think this came from Jana Budfig. Jana Budfig, who created the Budfig protocol and mm -hmm. diet, and I've got a huge amount of respect for, she produced her protocol in the early 1950s in Germany after the war. And they had terrible food shortages out there then and terrible food adulteration. If you had bought ground linseed then from an unscrupulous provider, mind you, say unscrupulous, anything that was edible they were desperate for, but you literally could be eating stuff that had been chemically extracted for oil that wasn't really suitable for human consumption. You could be eating straw that had been ground up you wouldn't have a clue what you were eating, what the quality of the seeds that had gone into it was and how chemically denatured it was or, or adulterated. You wouldn't have a clue. It could even have alphatoxin on it or something like that. So you've got a lot of potential problems there in ground linseed. So I think she was very much like this, quite sort of treated like people like children. So I think she told them this story like, don't eat brown linseed because it will go off, which put the frighteners on somebody with cancer. It's case, well, if she says that, I won't touch it then. Absolutely not. And then they'd get nice shiny seeds and grind them themselves, and they'd know that what they were eating was good quality linseed. Fine. She then produced a product which was called Linamel, which was ground linseed with a little bit of honey in it and a little bit of uh, milk powder, which was long life product in a polythene bag in a box called Linamel. And she was actually selling ground linseed in boxes. <laughs> I don't know, 40 years. 
so 40, 50, 60 years. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I think that was where that, that came from. But properly ground linseed probably is quite good for a short time when we don't see massive degradation of the available uh, um, ALA and things like that. And what's the proper way to grind it? Right. It, a good mill will, we, I mean, what we grind on a, what we call a knife mill, and it actually slices the linseeds up. So it high speed slices the linseed into very small particles and it keeps the oil and the antioxidant part of the seed together, but in very small particles so that it then looks like a powder when you come to eat it. If you grind it at home, the best way to grind it, the only thing really you can get is a coffee mill or a spice mill right. that is going to whiz it up. But very often those get quite hot when you do it. And you, I don't know how hot it can get. And potentially you could be damaging the, the oil in it because you could get it too hot at, at a sort of particle size in each particle. So like a Nutribullet? Yeah, it probably works. I think Nutribullet's quite good because Nutribullets are, you tend to do that wet, don't you? You put it in your smoothie or something and you whiz up the whole thing together mm. as a liquid. They've got a, a milling blade and it is metal. So I I mean, personally, I've tried it. I haven't, I haven't done this with your linseed, so I can't say that to that. But linseed flax seeds I've got from my health food store, when I've blitzed them up, they smell fishy and they have a, a really off smell and I know they're fresh. So I'm just curious about, you know, why it's doing that. And I wonder if it's the quality of the linseed, if it's the, you know, if it's got too hot, I mean, all kinds of different things. And I don't think it's, I don't think it's out of date. It can be a combination of all of the above and you get different varieties of linseed. I wonder. Different conditions throw it in, make and affect different varieties of linseed. And just like we've got cooking apples and which naturally deviated out on their own, you know, cooking apples, crab apples, eating apples, they're all a little bit different. Well, all the linseeds are going to be a little bit different. And the more you get into eating your linseed, the more sensitive you are to these differences. Then you've got storage and linseed can go very wrong in storage for several different ways. It can go wrong at harvest time for several different reasons. So there's lots of things that can go a bit wonky with the linseed. It's one of the, it seems to be one of the most sensitive foods out there. I've had more ways of getting it wrong than any other that I've come across. So one, you know the sources of your linseeds. And how do you store it? Well, it's keeping it cool and dry. Yeah. Really. Um, I'm being very careful with what we've bought in the first place. Make sure that it hasn't had a rocky road uh, before before it's come to us. Because if it, there's some funny things that happen out there in the food industry. <laughs> Most things in the food industry, there's ways of detainting it, cleaning it, and things like that. But if you're going to do a cold pressed oil, you've got nowhere to hide. You have to start with good quality food. Um, you know, some foods you can eat, but it doesn't matter. I've had linseed that has been purified, linseed oil, that people sell as a purified oil. It doesn't taste much of linseed, 
it doesn't have as much colour with it. It's got a slight hint of the nasty bitterness. But I know that they've ripped out a lot of the goodness to try and cover over the, the fact that they were actually pressing inferior seeds. Right. Gotcha. So that leads on really nicely for us to talk about your beautiful cold-pressed oil that yes. you sell as well. I think linseed oil is one of the world's best things. <laughs> the biggest, it was the first, the quickest, the easiest step of respecting health, understanding that food makes a difference. And I think for most people, taking linseed oil is usually the number one thing that they go, oh, my God, I can't believe the difference it makes. Go, yeah, I know. <laughs> um, our linseed oil, yes, it tastes great, so you can use it freely. You can use it in on porridge. It's nice instead of having milk. You can put linseed oil on it, makes it rich and creamy. If you've made it with water, so it's lovely. You can add it to skim milk yogurt. Again, it tastes nice. Um, you can make salad dressings with it. You can put it on mashed potato. So lots of uses. It's the thing most people can take on board is that it's nature's richest source of omega-3. It's the richest source of omega-3 you can get. And most people have too much omega-6. And most people aren't aware that having this too much omega-6 in the dark. And the reason we've got too much omega-6 in the dark is that it, food and agriculture have changed to suit the supermarkets and farmers, not to suit people. Mm -hmm. So we've got lots more sunflower, soya, corn oil, rapeseed, grapeseed, and even olive oil in the diet than really is a natural thing to do. And those all have either a lot of omega-6 in or a bit of omega-6 and generally virtually no omega-3. So every time you have them, that adds to the imbalance. And omega-6 produces the inflammatory hormones in the body. Um, omega-3 should be producing the anti-inflammatory ones to balance it. But if you haven't got the balance, you've got the potential for, for inflammation to kick off. And although having that difference in fat isn't always enough to kick you over, as soon as your body has to deal with a crisis like an accident or stress or something else in your life, life usually kicks people over that all of a sudden then you have this catastrophic series of health problems where inflammation really is the core issue and you you know somebody somebody had a car accident and then they have stress and they have anxiety then their joints go wrong then they get a bad back then they get high blood pressure and then they get cancer and then they get diabetes. And it all actually went back to having a very inflammatory body waiting to go wrong. Mm -hmm. Having the omega-3 from linseed oil really helps balance this off. But it also people tend to think of inflammation as, oh, you know, something like tennis elbow, you know, you've got swelling, you've got heat, you've got pain. But in reality, the inflammation is more about messages not getting through. And you get things switching on or not switching on or not switching off when they should do. One of the characteristic things of the best, the best examples is actually dry eyes. And we get lots and lots of people sent to us for linseed oil because they've got dry eyes by their opticians. And they take the linseed oil, but hey, they don't have dry eyes anymore. 
And the reason is that somewhere in the chain of chemical reactions between you having a dry eye, getting back to the bit that's meant to be producing tears, somewhere one of those interactions, one of the receptors is not working properly anymore. And so it just goes, I can't hear that message, that chemical message isn't getting through. And as you reduce the inflammation, the receptor usually opens up, it accepts that chemical message and it passes it on to the next thing and then you can produce tears again. It's a similar thing with anxiety where your body has its own endocannabinoids, which are chemicals in the brain, mm -hmm. and they're whizzing around in your brain. Everybody's got these endocannabinoids, which are yep. feel-good chemicals in the brain, like cannabis, but home-produced. And if you have a lot of inflammation going on, the receptors for those endocannabinoids aren't functioning. As you reduce inflammation, you start to get that Huh, feeling that lovely well-being feeling yes you know you know the roof's leaking yes you know you've got to do this that and the other thing and there's no money coming in but you've still got a good feeling and that was brought home to me by a lady I met at market one day and she came up to the store and said oh Lindsay Doyle fantastic stuff that it's amazing she said I'm on the Budvig diet she said, the linseed oil is wonderful. She said, I got cancer um, and was diagnosed with it as being very bad, very quickly. Um, basically, she'd had tummy pains, went to hospital, and they said, sorry, you've got cancer everywhere, and there's not mm. really anything significant we can do. So she went home, went on the Woodfig Dart. I met her two months later. And she said, the thing about this is, she said, I don't know where my cancer is. I still look at probably a death sentence. She said, but I feel so happy in myself. She said, I feel really calm and happy and content. And she said, I know it's the linseed oil doing that for me. You know, that on its own is a good enough reason to promote the Budvig diet and linseed oil. So I know you've got a link to them on, on your website as well, in addition to others. So that's uh, for people to have a look at. Of course, there's so much we could go on and on and talk about uh, the beautiful linseed. Is there anything that we haven't talked about right now that you would like to talk about? Um, things I'd like to talk about, again, more, more of the omega-3, the linseed oil being an easy way to do it and all the family way. I think people really don't, you know, you've really got to hit people over the head with this linseed oil thing because <laughs> it's a whole family thing from very early on, from even before pregnancy. Um, I was always aware that when you had animals, you actually fed your, your dogs or your horses before they got pregnant. You fed them cod liver oil for omega-3. And was always very aware as to how important that was. And it's something where we neglect in this country. Not many people are actually getting their bodies fit and healthy for getting pregnant. They just get pregnant. However, having more omega-3, A, it can even help fertility because, again, it's this chain of effects of chemical reactions and reducing inflammation makes you less likely to have polycystic ovaries, um, fibroids and all the things. The body's going to function more freely. However, whole, whole family, a, a child can't even reach its full genetic potential 
for intelligence if it doesn't have enough omega-3 to make its brain properly. And humans have come about because they've been able to access omega-3. Human beings are actually probably scavengers more than hunters, but they were able to get the omega-3 out of the brains of other animals. So, you know, the, the hunter-gatherer image is they were able to get omega-3 out of there. If they ate food and vegetables, they were getting the right balance of omega-3 to omega-6 from eating vegetable diets mm -hmm. as they were hunting. You know, maybe they didn't catch much, but they were gathering. So they got a good proportion of omega-3 to omega-6. However, the modern diet doesn't offer that to most people, and ready-made foods are the worst, generally the worst of them all. Omega-3 enables a child to reach its genetic potential for intelligence, behavior, and all of those things. In George Jelinek's book, um, he cites things like behavior, like anger in school children, and so on and so mm -hmm. forth. And one of the things that I very much want to see more people thinking about are these poor lads. I always feel sorry for the boys because it's always the boys who end up with mental problems and stress and anxiety as teenagers. It's harder to be a boy, I think, than to be a girl. I think part of the reason is boys aren't very good at their emotions anyway, yeah. very often. Yeah. The other thing that's happening is that on a, in a body, one of the biggest, apart from the brain and the, 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 the bone marrow and things like that, one of the other big users of omega-3 is actually the testicles. So you need omega-3 to be able to produce sperm. It's really important to the body. So when this lad is going from this nice little nine-year-old and turning into a teenager in no time at all, he needs loads of omega-3 to build every cell in the body. Every cell in the body needs omega-3. Every cell in the body, and the... Um, testes need even more omega-3 so there's a huge drain and a huge requirement for omega-3 in this growing adolescent boy and if there isn't enough where's that omega-3 going to come from because those testes are going to actually produce sperm come what may because it's very important for animals to reproduce and to make sure that bit functions so nature will naturally take omega-3 and put it in there the only place really it can take it from is the boy's brain. Is that why they end up with so much stress and anxiety? You know, and, and, and at that time, not only are they growing massively, I've got all those problems with girls, they've got exams. It's blooming being, being a young lad, and there is literally not enough omega-3 going round. The other area that you see huge need for omega-3, where linseed oil also has been shown to help, is with um, postnatal depression, which again is a very similar situation where you've got woman gets pregnant, grows this baby, and the baby is has to have a certain amount of omega three to make that new brain, and the brain is very hungry. That huge, huge head needs lots of omega three. Where is that baby going to get its omega three from? Because the mum is probably not actually going, I need to feed this baby's brain. She's probably carrying on eating burger and chips, which isn't really the answer. So 
where's the omega-3 coming from? It's got to come from her brain because that is the biggest source of omega-3 in the body. And then after pregnancy, it's very common to get postnatal depression. And very often people who take omega-3 and take linseed oil after that find that that really helps and it can help prevent it. So there's, it, it's this sort of thing about nature which will cannibalise what it's got to reproduce life, to reproduce hormones and the things that it needs to do to make the generation. And if we don't give the bodies, either children, you know, teenage boys or pregnant mums omega-3, then things aren't going to function right in their bodies. There's no doubt we need those wonderful, healthy fats for our bodies to function properly. That's for sure. And I think there, it's obvious that there are a multitude of health issues going around because people aren't getting sufficient nutrients to support their well-being. Two of the things that have actually really fascinated me about having more omega-3 in my body is, bearing in mind I didn't discover omega-3 in linseed oil until I was well up my 40s. And since I've been taking linseed oil, whereas I, I'm very fair-skinned, so I actually naturally burn very easily in the sun, now I tend not to burn, I tend to get ground very easily. And it's like my body, usually as you get older, it goes the other way. And even when I know I've pushed it too far, thought I've actually been out in this sun far too long, I know I'm feeling a bit hot around my back, I know I've overdone it, oh God, I get a burn, I get a peel, it'll be horrible. I don't even peel anymore. I haven't, for the last goodness I how many years, I haven't even had any peeling at all. And my brownness has come on really easily. If I get lots of bright sunlight, yep, that works. But even getting just a little bit of, sun, you know, diffused sunlight, it changes very easily. And getting that omega-3, that reaction to sunlight is actually very beneficial for the rest of our body because then we're getting all the melatonin thing and all that sort of thing. So there's probably a lot more happening than just going a nice shade of brown. But it's <laughs> nice to know your body can do it. Yeah. And it's interesting to see that the omega-3 seems to be the facilitator that not having enough, you just couldn't get that process to happen. And the other thing that's happened to me is I've been well up my 50s because I didn't really start going to the gym or taking any physical exercise. I was coach potato, really. Um, like most women, you know, I've done all the sit-ups to try and get a you know, flat tummy and to try and get muscles and all the rest of it. Never really had noticed anything. With the linseed, since I've been on linseed, I muscle up and tone up so much quicker. And I thought, this is just really odd. And then speaking, and I had other people actually bring the subject up. And one was a man of my sort of age, you know, sort of 50, 60 age. And he said, do you know, since I've been taking this linseed oil, which is only for you know, a couple of months or so, he said, it's the first time in 10 years I've actually been able to develop extra muscle. So it's not just me yeah. finding that no. these things work. They were no. going around and reacting to the sun. You have this funny little conversation and you find, oh, yeah, I have that as well. It's not a sort of theoretical thing. It's a feel-good thing as well. Well, goodness, I've loved hearing the information you've shared with us. What did you, what did you do before this? Um, my main career was actually in mobile data, which was the oh, wow. early stages of data networks before even 
sort of um, mobile phones were about. Fantastic. And then latterly it was things like radio, radio pages and, 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 and mobile phones, but on the data side of it. Um, and before that, I'd had dozens and dozens and dozens of jobs. <laughs> never, never happy to settle down and doing anything, never anything that felt good enough. And now you are a flaxseed, you're a flaxseed expert or a linseed expert. I love how those things happen. I think it's wonderful. So I guess if there's nothing else for right now, I will provide links to your website so people can get your wonderful products from there and your beautiful oils so they can go online and see if there's anything that they want to purchase from you. So I'd just like to thank you so much for taking time out. I know you're busy. I know you've got lots of things going on. And I'm just grateful that we had a chance to talk about uh, talk about this and talk a little bit about your wonderful business and how well you're doing and what it's done to help you. Well, thank you very much. And I also want to say, if anybody needs to talk about linseed and how to actually use it, I'm very happy to sort of, you know, help people and guide Perfect. them because I'd rather actually guide them to use it better rather than them use it the wrong way and not get the results that they're looking for. So I know it's a balance, but I'm happy to chat about it. Okay, that's um, great. Thank you very much for giving me the opportunity to talk to you about it. My pleasure. It's always fun to learn new things, which I have today, and I really appreciate it. So for now, thank you again. Thank you too. Well, folks, that's all for today. I hope you enjoyed sitting in and listening in to all the information that Claire had to share with us. I will be sure and provide a link to her website so you can go and check things out on your own. I also apologize for the sound problems that we had throughout the podcast. Now then, there are a couple of other things that I'd like to talk to you about, and one of them's going to be, you've got to bounce off to feel good. What can I say about that Belican? It really is one of the best things that I've done for my health and well-being. So if you'd like to find out more details on it, get in touch with me, or you can check out the link, which will be in the show notes, so you can go and have a snoop around on your own. I'd also like to thank those of you for the reviews you've left me and to those of you who have subscribed. And if you haven't done so already, please do so. And I'd also like to ask you to share these podcasts with people that you think might find it of benefit. Because don't forget, these podcasts are here to support, collaborate, communicate, educate, and inspire one another. I've got a lovely rota of people joining me over the next few months, so watch this space. I'd also like to remind you of the event that Anita Beardsley of Love Nutrition and I are hosting on 27th of March, 2021. It is on the multifaceted effects of gut health. We are delighted that Dr. Alan Desmond, Dr. Elizabeth Phillips, sports medicine physio Claire Sinton, and Dr. Caroline Gilmartin are going to be joining us on the day. We will be sure to keep you posted on whether the event is going to happen in person or online, depending on social distancing and government guidelines. As soon as we have more details, we will be sure and let you know. So thank you again for joining me. And until next time, I'd like to wish you and yours the very best of health. Bye for now. Bye.